I'm not saying it was a good choice. I'm not saying it was a bad choice, but it was her choice. <sighs> anyway. All right, halfway. I got a lot to talk about today. I don't think I'm going to get to all of it today, Dave. I swear I don't. Kenny Payne was on a uh, CBS Sports podcast today. He said some interesting things. I don't know if he said smart things, but he said some interesting things. I'll get to that. Larry Nasser, the former gymnastics doctor for the U.S. gymnastics team, got stabbed in prison. That took longer than I thought. Remember when uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and I'm air quoting here, killed himself in prison? Yeah, that's what happened. He killed himself. Sure he did. Some of these guys, some of these bad people, they get into prison, and there are prisoners that say, you know, what I did was bad, but what you did, unfathomable. We're going to have to hurt you. And that's what happened here with uh, Larry Nasser. Um, who was the, uh, the documentary I watched? Uh, Dahmer, when he got killed in prison. I mean, when you hurt children... Even convicted convicted felons are, are going to hate you. Uh, is Pat Fitzgerald out at Northwestern as the football coach? He got a two-game suspension because of hazing within the program, and now the president is sort of backtracking, going, well, you know, maybe that wasn't a big enough punishment. You got a former player coming out saying he had to have known the hazing was going on. Um, originally, the punishment said... We can't. We can blame the coach for not knowing, but we also believe the coach didn't know this was going on. So two week suspension. Now maybe not. And in related news, although it's a different situation entirely, all of a sudden Bob Huggins says he never resigned at West Virginia. He didn't step down, and his lawyer is saying he wants his job back. When you get pulled over for a DUI in, I think it was Cincinnati, and you think you're in Pittsburgh? You don't need to be coaching young people anymore. When did we get to the point where we can't fire people for things like this? And look, you call him, or he calls you, and you say, you did this? Yes, I did this. We are going to give you an opportunity to step down. If you don't, then we will make you step down. He says, she says, he says, I never resigned. I never retired. I want to be the head coach at the university of, at West Virginia university. And it's more difficult both with Pat Fitzgerald and with Bob Huggins, because they are alumna alumnus alumni of their respective universities. And they are heroes at their respected universities. They are well thought of at their universities and former players and alums at their school. Makes it a little more difficult. But Bob Huggins, the DUI on top of the defamatory remarks on the radio a month earlier, can't bring him back. You can't. Now, maybe he just wants a little more money in the settlement here. Maybe he's saying, you know, I don't think I got enough for what I did for this school over the years. So I'm going to act like I never resigned. My lawyer is going to tell you, hey, where are the resignation papers? There aren't any. Well, then he didn't resign. How about you 
put a little more in the coffer, and I'll walk away quietly. Pat Fitzgerald, different situation. Hazing, frowned upon nowadays. Can't do it. Just can't do it. Did he know? Did he not know? Again, you can't fire the players. You can get rid of the players. You can send them on their way to another school. But ultimately, the responsibility falls upon the head coach. So I don't know if Pat Fitzgerald makes it through the week. I certainly don't think Bob Huggins is back as the head basketball coach for the Mountaineers. But we'll see. Major League Baseball draft was last night. Paul Skeens went number one, the LSU pitcher, to Pittsburgh. Dylan Cruz went number two, the LSU outfielder, to Washington. After that, don't know, don't care. Because the difference in basketball and baseball is you draft Victor Wembayama in basketball, you're watching him in the summer league, you're going to be watching him playing for the Spurs next year. You draft these guys in baseball, you don't see them for three years. They go to the rookie league, they go to the advanced rookie league, they go to single A ball, double A. You don't know when they're going to show up. Three years ago, the draft order, um, those guys are now in the, in the majors. Those top four guys are now in the majors. Bobby Witt Jr. went number two. Adley Rutschman of Baltimore, he's an all-star. He went number one. He's catching for the Orioles now. Bobby Witt Jr. is playing shortstop for the Royals. Andrew Vaughn is playing the outfield for the White Sox. I forget who the fourth guy was, but they're all in the majors and they're all playing. But it's been three years since they got drafted. So you hear the name Paul Skeens. You hear the name Dylan Cruz. They won the College World Series at LSU. They're going to be great. Skeens is expected to be a superstar pitcher. Cruz is expected to be an everyday outfielder in the major leagues. But it's not going to happen for three years. That's why you, me, Dave, and everybody else that's listening didn't watch the Major League Baseball draft last night on ESPN. If you watched the draft, then you had a vested interest in somebody in the draft. You either coach them or you're a relative of them or you know the family, whatever it is. Otherwise, nobody's watching the Major League Baseball draft. I don't know what to do to fix that. There is no fix. Because if... The Pirates decide, okay, we drafted Paul Skeens. Let's pitch him on Friday. Let's, let's put, him, put him in there. All of a sudden, now he's got major league service time of one game, and it speeds up the calendar in which he gets paid. They don't want that. All right, back to the grades at the unofficial halfway point of the season. All-star game tomorrow, home run derby tonight. The ESPYs, by the way, are Wednesday. I don't watch the uh, – this is the time of year. This week is when I catch up on all my streaming, on all my, my uh, binge watching. I may start The Wire tonight. Never seen it. I might start it tonight. I might finish it by Friday when baseball starts back up. Uh, A grades or A pluses. The Rangers get an A plus. Tony Burke's Texas Rangers. A plus. Now they they had talent last year. They got Marcus Simeon. They signed Corey Seager. This year they bring in Jacob DeGrom. He gets hurt. He hasn't pitched. They brought John Gray in last year. He's been good on the mound. They've got good pitching. They've got an all-star lineup. 
because Jonah Heim, Josh Young, these guys have been hitting. Adolis Garcia leads the majors in RBI. They are talented with the bat in their hands, and they're good enough in their pitching. Here's what they did this year to put them above, over the top. They hired Bruce Bochy as the manager. Simple. Plain and simple. Chris Woodard, Woodward did nothing wrong as the manager of the Rangers, but he wasn't Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy has been to four World Series. He's won three of them. He lost one with the Padres. He won three of them with the Giants. He was retired. They brought him out of retirement. He does not come out of retirement unless he thinks he's got a good product. And he does. And he's using them the right way. He's getting the most out of them. That's what a great manager does. And they're in first place, two games ahead of Houston, who was the prohibitive favorite to win the the, uh, American League West. But the Rangers get an A+. The Rays get an A. Now, the Rays could have gotten an A+, but they fall into the wayside a little bit here. Uh, They've lost seven of their last ten. They did beat the Braves yesterday in the third game of that series at home. The Braves won the first two games fairly easily. The Rays are still 58-35. They're still in first place in the best division in baseball, but they only get an A because they've gone south over the last couple of weeks. They haven't played great baseball. And they're a great team at home. They're 35-15 and at home. But they're only three over 500 on the road. But I still got to give them an A. When you're in first place in the best division in baseball, you get an A. The Orioles also get an A. Baltimore's 54 and 35. And if it wasn't for the Tampa Bay Rays, all we would be talking about in baseball would be the Baltimore Orioles and the Atlanta Braves. The Orioles are 19 games over 500. Two games out of first behind the Rays, who, remember, started the season, I think, 13-0. and I'm pretty sure about that. And you're only two games back. Young Orioles, led by Adley Rutschman at the plate, the all-star who will be in the home run derby tonight. Anthony Santander's had a great season. The pitching has been solid. Baltimore gets an A. Now, if you noticed, I didn't give anybody in the American League Central Division an A. I can't. Cleveland has the lead at 45 and 45. Whoever gets to the playoffs out of the Central Division, in my opinion, is a sacrificial lamb. It doesn't matter who they play. They're not advancing. Now, I could be wrong because it's baseball, and as we all know, you never know in baseball. But the Guardians are... In first place, half game ahead of Minnesota, 45-45. and 45. Um, Those are the only A's. I, I, I can't give Houston an A, even though they're 50-41, and 41, because they're supposed to be 50-41. and 41. Yes, they played the last month without their best hitter, Jordan Alvarez. Uh, they've had some pitching injuries, but they won the World Series, and they're in second place in their division. You don't get an A. That simple. Who gets a D? I came close to giving the Yankees an F, but I got to give the Yankees a D. Yes, they're seven games over 500, but they're in fourth place in the East, eight games back. They just fired their batting coach. 
as soon as the game ended yesterday, when they lost to the Cubs 7-4, to they fired their hitting coach. And the Yankees traditionally do not fire coaches in midseason since George Steinbrenner left. i got to make that codicil there. Since George Steinbrenner left, because he would fire Billy Martin every other week. But it is a proud organization that doesn't like to fire coaches in the middle of the season. They fire their hitting coach. They can't score. They can't score with a lineup that includes DJ LeMahieu, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, who's over the hill, Harrison Bader, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge when he's healthy, and that hasn't been a lot this year. And they can't score runs. And they strike out way too much. And unlike last year, they're not walking this year. They're not getting on bases on balls. Why? Because there's no fear to pitch to these guys. Not with Aaron Judge out of the lineup. It's rare to see one player make that much of a difference, but Aaron Judge makes that much of a difference. So the Yankees get a D because they're the Yankees. They are one game out of last place. The Red Sox swept Oakland this weekend while the Cubs were taking two out of three in the Bronx. The Yankees are only one game ahead of Boston. The Blue Jays get a D. The Blue Jays should be competing for World Series with the talent on that roster. Everybody's a legacy. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, son of Dante, Calvin Biggio, son of Craig. They added Matt Chapman in the offseason at third base. He's great. Great hitter, good hitter, great defender. They added Varsho. They got rid of Teoscar Hernandez. I didn't understand that, but they did. And they added Gary Varsho to play the outfield. Their lineup should score a lot of runs. They score, but not a lot of runs. They got no hit by the Detroit Tigers the other day. Yikes. And the pitching has been suspect. Alec Manoa was a a, uh, Cy Young candidate last year. He was sent to rookie ball. He was sent to A ball to work things out. Now, he pitched great when he came back. The first game back, right before the All-Star break, he pitched great. But what a disappointment their pitching has been. So the Blue Jays get a D as well. And then the Seattle Mariners. I can't give Kansas City and the Detroit and the White Sox Ds because they were supposed to be terrible. I can, however, give the Seattle Mariners a D. 45 and 44. Third place in the American League West. Six games behind Texas. Mariners, I thought, would contend for the divisional title along with the Rangers and the Astros. The Rangers and the Astros have held up their end of the bargain. The Mariners have not. They are the ones that went out and got Teoscar Hernandez away from Toronto. They got a good uh, pitching staff led by Louis Castillo, former Cincinnati Red. George Kirby's been a great pitcher. But the old Red, Eugenio Suarez at third, he's proving that he's not worth the money they paid him. Julio Rodriguez strikes out way too much, hits a lot of homers, strikes out way too much. The Mariners get a D. So there you go. Everybody else gets a B or a C. Um, The Angels, they're an interesting story. Because 
I've been asking the question for the last couple of weeks, if you're the Angels, what do you do with Shohei Ohtani? But I think the question now turns into, if you're Shohei Ohtani, what do you tell the Angels? Because the Angels got two options. Keep him through the trade deadline, which is July, uh, July 31st. And then when he becomes a free agent at the end of the year, you get us like the 70th pick in the draft for him. That's it. You get a draft pick. Or you trade him before the July 31st deadline and get a haul of picks, a haul of young talent, maybe an all-star, a uh, somebody that's already an all-star, and you just get a boatload of talent because you're going to get if you trade him, you're going to get whatever you want from whomever you want because he is Shohei Otani. And keep in mind, they're going to be renting him, whoever it is. If it's the Dodgers, if it's the Braves, if it's the Rangers, whoever it is, they're renting him for a month and a half, two months, and a playoff run. And then he's a free agent. But if you want him, you're going to have to give up a lot of your future franchise players. But if you're Shohei Otani, what do you want? You want to stay in Anaheim? Mike Trout's been there a long time. He's never won anything. A week ago today, a week ago right now, the Angels were one game out of the wild card spot. So the decision, I think, was tougher at that point. They've lost 9 of 10. They are now five games out of the playoffs. Trout is hurt with a broken bone in his hand. They're not going to make the playoffs. So to me, it's an easier decision for the Angels now. You trade him. Trade him. He's not coming back. You're not going to the playoffs this year. You got to get some something for him. And if you don't trade him, you're going to be left bare. You're gonna, you're gonna, he's gonna leave, and you're gonna get nothing for it. No playoff appearances, no young talent, you get nothing. If you're Otani's agent, if I'm the Angels, what do you want? What do you want? We would love to re-sign you, but we got to do that before July 31st because we cannot take the chance of you not coming back and us not getting anything for you. We have to do what's best for our organization. Otani, does he think they can win? They haven't won, and he's had Mike Trout by, by his side the whole time he's been there, and they've never won. I think he's going to end up with the Dodgers. Doesn't everybody end up with the Dodgers? Maybe the Yankees open the pocketbook. Those teams don't care about the luxury tax. They don't. So I think it's getting simpler, but I think at this point, it's no longer up to the Angels. The Angels are going to trade him. It's up to Otani. Because if he wants to stay in Anaheim, if he's comfortable there, if he likes the lifestyle, if his family likes it there, then he signs before the trading deadline, stays in Anaheim for the next 10 years. If he doesn't, he's got to be fair to them. They paid him a lot of money. He's got to be fair and say, I'm going to test the free agent market. And as soon as those words come out of his mouth, the Angels should start fielding phone calls because they're not going to have to call anybody. They're going to get the calls. 
they got a lot of leverage in this situation. You want Otani? What do you got to offer? We're going to take the best offer. We don't care who makes it. All right, I'm late to a break. Home run derby tonight. We'll set that up for you. Also, the Kenny Payne comments on a podcast this morning as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. John Spears for M&M Cartage. You see those trucks riding down the road with the M&M Cartage sign? You could be a driver or work as a mechanic on one of those trucks. For 45 years, M&M Cartage has been a locally family-owned transportation company, and they're currently hiring those drivers and mechanics. To join their team, go online to mmcartage.com to apply. Headquartered in Louisville with locations in Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Morristown, Tennessee, and Detroit. That's M&M Cartage. Export Scramble is heading back to Elk Run on Friday, September 1st. Lock in your spot today by emailing BigXScramble at Yahoo.com. Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in the studio. Final segment on this Monday. Eminem Cartage hotline's open 30502, excuse me, 384-1450. To join in on the conversation, 384-1450. Thorns text line open as well. 502-414-1450. Get your last-minute text into the show at that number. Uh, Bats beat Toledo uh, Friday and Sunday, ten to four and twelve to two. Lost twelve to eight on Saturday. All-Star break is uh, going on in the minor leagues as well. The Bats will be back in action Friday, Saturday, Sunday at home. Nashville comes to Slugger Field. Those three games all right here on the Big X. Um, all right. Before I get to the uh, home run derby. Kenny Payne was on the uh, John Rothstein podcast, CBS writer, College Sports, College Hoops Today. You can look it up, find it where you get all your podcasts, College Hoops Today, if you'd like to listen to Kenny Payne on the uh, College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Said some interesting things. He really likes uh, a couple of his players, uh, his new players, especially Sky Clark. Big Sky Clark guy. He likes Trey White a lot. Uh, hoping for some great things out of the seven-one youngster, uh, whose name escapes me, of course, Dennis Evans, shot blocker. And uh, says he needs a big year out of a Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Mike James looks good coming back. Those are some of the good things that Kenny Payne said. But again, as a negative Nelly, I always look for the bad things. That's who I am. Here's a quote from Kenny Payne with John Rossi. You can get guys out of the portal and have success for a year. I would rather build a program and do it the right way and get young people to have a good mixture of veteran guys. You have some stability, not just for a year, end quote. All right, if you're Kenny Payne and you just went 4-28, and you got to dive into the portal. You can't be saying things that, yeah, I'd rather build a program and do it the right way. You know what the right way is now? And every school knows it. Get into the portal, go into these lower-tier Division I schools or even D2 schools, and get some talent. Get guys that got away the first time, that nobody knew how great they were. You got to get into the portal. Because 4-28 and 28 or 8-24 and 24 or 10 and 22, I don't know if you get a third year. 
That is a fair question at this point. What is the number that is going to make Kenny Payne safe to coach a third year at the University of Louisville? Because he mentions we got a top 10 recruiting class come in. That says a lot about what this program is, not just Kenny Payne. He's right. He's right. You got a top 10 class coming in. You got a whole bunch of young guys coming in. Sky Clark, great pickup. Maybe, potentially. If you talk to Illinois players, they say he quit on the team. That's not what you want to hear. Talent, yes. I don't think there's any question he's got talent. Remember John Calipari was recruiting him at one point. I'd rather build a program and do it the right way. Get young people to have a good mixture. If you're Kenny Payne, you've got to win games this season. The fan base, I was at a lot of those games last year. It's a great fan base. They gave up. They gave up. They didn't want to come watch that product last year. The only game they came to is when they sell uh, the Carolina game when they celebrated a former team. They celebrated a, uh, the 2013 team. That's when they showed up. After they lost to well, fill in the blank, Bellerman, Lipscomb, I don't care who you say, they didn't want to see it anymore. It was no fun to watch. I was there. Trust me. Every game was the same. Every post-game press conference was the same. And when I look at some of these quotes from the podcast today, some of these quotes are the same. It's not anybody's fault. It's just the cards we were all dealt. It's part of the process of going through all of the investigations from the NCAA and not being able to get the type of players that deserve to be in this program. You can't blame the NCAA investigations anymore. I think it's, you know, you're looking through red and black glasses when you blame them last year. You can't blame them for four wins. That team last year has got to win 12, 13, 14 games. They had more talent than a lot of those teams that beat them. Here's another one. I just think I was dealt a set of cards that were a little bit unfortunate. We knew it wouldn't be great. I can't say that I would do anything different. We went after the top players, and we had sanctions on our head with people saying they were going to get the death penalty. All right, after what happened to some of the other schools, nobody said they were going to get the death penalty. Now, other schools, did they use it against Louisville in recruiting? Absolutely, as anybody would. We knew it wouldn't be great. I can't say that I would do anything different. Wow. Sure you can. In fact, you should say that you would have done some things differently. We, have, we won four games, and we have a top 10 recruiting class walking in the door on paper. That says a lot about not just me, but this program and my staff. Hmm. Some of those guys were, were really good players last year that came on board. L. Ellis was a really good player. I think he's at Arkansas now. Uh, 
I advise you to go listen to the podcast, College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Make your own decision. I haven't listened to it, but I'm reading all the quotes from it, and it disturbs me a little bit. Not going to lie. All right, Home Run Derby tonight. I don't know if you like it. I don't know if you love it. I don't know if you tolerate it. I don't know if you don't pay any attention to it at all. Everybody's out there. I'll watch it out of a curiosity. The problem I have with the Home Run Derby, it takes too long. It takes too long. There's too much commentary. There's too much time between batters. We got to interview everybody. We got to have timeouts. We got to give them Gatorades. I hope they do for the home run derby what they did for the game of baseball. Speed it up. I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Normally, the home run derby is set to run from 8 to 10, and it usually goes till about 1130. That's too much home run derby. The favorite is Pete Alonzo, two-time winner. He's 3-1. to one. His opponent in the first round, remember it's bracketed, is Mariners outfielder Julio Rodriguez, who was going to be, ironically, playing in his own ballpark. He is the defending champ. He's the third choice at 5-1. to one. That's a great opening round matchup. Now, these seeds are based on how many home runs you had on June 15th. That's the way these guys are seeded. Luis Robert Jr. of the White Sox is the number one seed. He's not the favorite. He is, however, the third choice at plus 550. Julio Rodriguez, I misspoke. No, he's the fourth choice at plus 550. Third choice, second choice is Vlad Guerrero Jr., Toronto. He's plus 375, but he is the sixth seed. So one versus eight is Luis Robert Jr. of the White Sox against Adley Rutschman. From Baltimore. Rutschman's the longest shot on the board at 14 to 1. Two seed Pete Alonso versus seven seed Julio Rodriguez. You got a two time winner against the defending champ. Um, three versus six is Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, second longest shot on the board at 10 to 1, against Vlad Guerrero Jr., second favorite on the board, plus 375. Actually, yeah, second favorite. And the 4-5 matchup, Adolis Garcia of Texas and Randy Arozarena of Tampa Bay. They are both long shots. Garcia is 7-1. Arozarena is 9-1. I'm going to take Julio Rodriguez of Seattle. And it's a, it's a bold take here. Even though he's the third choice, he's playing the favorite in the first round. But he's at home. We've seen guys at home, do very well. I, I recall Todd Frazier doing it for the Reds and Josh Hamilton in Texas. Those are just two of the examples. You get an extra special boost when you're doing it at home. So I'll take Julio Rodriguez at 5-1 to one to win the Home Run Derby tonight. Back at it tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Act.